Good morning, Mosaic. It's really good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for dodging potholes and braving some icy streets to get here on daylight savings time morning. Always good to see you. Um, If you need to nap and catch up on that hour of sleep, I'm not going to be offended. Go ahead. I realize, you know, that sometimes my voice might be very soothing, and so just feel free to let the head fall back and do whatever you need to do, okay? Um, But if you're awake this morning and you want to engage in some, some movement together, let's engage in that movement together. So... We're headed into Lent. Uh, Lent is this season that begins with Ash Wednesday. It brings us all the way to uh, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And in Lent, there is this hopeful kind of expectation that builds, but also just an awareness of just our incredible weakness and frailty. Um, you know, all of us right now, I mean, if you're like me, you've you got a kingdom-building project going on, right? Uh, I have my little personal kingdom-building projects that I'm working on, right? I see it play out in my mind, and, and I know what needs to happen and how I'd like it to happen, and I want to do everything I can do to make it happen. Um, but then there's this realization that it often doesn't happen in that way. But there's this other kingdom that is present both among us and within us, somehow holding it all together, saying, hey, come, come here. Let's, let's tend to this kingdom. And this kingdom has a way of life about it. People who tend to this kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus said, hey, it's, it's here. I'm here. It's among us. It's within you. Um, come, enter it. Be a part of it. And and people who tend to that kingdom have a vision of what society and culture looks like within that kingdom. And so, Mosaic, my hope for us is that this season of Lent, we would be able to kind of get a vision of what Jesus' kind of kingdom looks like and that we would tend to it. Um, I mean, here's, here's the deal. We live... In a world, really, where um, if you go throughout your week, generally what you're going to have laid before you is this. And you're going to see it in various ways. Um, What's going to be laid before you, the vision that you'll see as we live our lives, is kind of, and I'm talking kind of Western civilization Americans here. What we generally see is part patriotism, part consumerism. Uh, part violence, uh, part affluence, in uh, part vanity fair. And it's, it's kind of fun participating in those things, right? I mean, like, participating in those things can be helpful to the personal kingdom-building projects that we often find ourselves in. Um, but Lent introduces us to this other kingdom, this kingdom of God that Jesus brings, which really is going to allow that other kingdom to just kind of fall apart. It's going to just, it's going to break apart. It's going to fall to ash. Uh, and so this morning, I just want us to enter attention together of, of, you know, how do we live in the midst of that? Man, I, I want to respond to this kingdom of Jesus that he's 
inviting me into, but yet, I got to be honest, like, I also want to tend to these personal kingdom-building projects that are kind of, you know, part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, part affluence, part vanity fair, because it's kind of fun. Um, and we, we live in between all of that. Um, and, and that's going to crumble. It's going to crumble, and it, and it hurts when it crumbles, right? It's hard. It's hard to just kind of release yourself into this other kingdom that Jesus brought to us. Um, and Jesus talked about this other kingdom, and he said, really, the, the first two things he said is, look, happy, blessed, fortunate are you um, if you are poor in spirit. Like, if you have nothing to bring to the table because this kingdom belongs to you. But becoming poor in spirit, where you just feel like you have nothing to offer and nothing to bring, that's not a great place to be. None of us really want to end up there. But those are the Jesus' first words of welcome into that kingdom. You know, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. You have nothing to bring. You've lost it all. And then he says, you know, blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted in this kingdom. And um, so I imagine some of us here, we're, we're living in that tension. Maybe even we're, we're mourning kind of just some of our personal kingdom-building projects that are kind of crumbling. And, and how does God's grace meet us in the midst of that? Um, so I've been, I've been wrestling with this a lot um, over the last couple of weeks. And sometimes I wish I could just lay it out for you in like these real easy bullet points and put like a nice tidy bow on it. Um, and I'm, I'm, not that kind of, I'm not that kind of preacher so I hope you can just kind of take this journey with me, right? And let, let's kind of go here together. Um, I love watching old movies with my kids, movies from when I was a kid. Um, and so sometimes to be able to sit down with them and like, hey, let's watch Gremlins together, you know? Uh, this week I had the opportunity to, with my youngest, watch The NeverEnding Story. And all uh, right, great movie, The NeverEnding Story, this, this little boy who... Um, he's kind of getting in trouble at the beginning of the movie because he's not paying attention in math class. He's always daydreaming. Um, now, math teachers, I apologize. I don't mean to pull any of us, you know, out of, like, learning, you know, why math is important. Um, but so the little guy, he's kind of, you know, he's getting the, the runaround from his dad. You need to pay attention in math class and stop daydreaming, you know. But the little boy is, is dreaming about, uh, he finds himself reading this book, and he's interacting with this land called Fantasia. And Fantasia is, is somehow very mysteriously among him and within him. Because as he's interacting with this story of Fantasia, he's feeling like he's in this story of Fantasia. And it's this very you know, mysterious, magical kind of land. And what's happening in, in Fantasia is... The nothing, which is just this like black sky, dark wind, the nothing is coming through and slowly wiping out Fantasia land. And the reality is, is that a lot of, you know, in the, in the movie, what we're learning is that a lot of little kids, they've, they've stopped using their imaginations. They've stopped paying attention to Fantasia, which is right among them and within them. And so the nothingness is taking over. And, and so let's put that just kind of in, in our cultural lens today. I mean, it's just, you know, we look around, just at the cultural landscape around us at what's happening, and it feels like a great disaster, right? I mean, it feels like kind of just nothingness is taking over, and we're all throwing our hands up in the air saying, what in the world is going on here? 
which I can't help but think is a perfect time for us as followers of Jesus to say, all right, we need to really start tending to this kingdom that Jesus introduced to us that is among us and within us. Um, but this kingdom that's among us and within us, it is going to hold us together, but it's also, it, it will have its way. Like our personal kingdom building projects will crumble. And, and so Lent is this awareness that, that you are going to crumble. Your, your personal kingdom building project is going to fall apart. And we just have to sit with that. Uh, Richard Rohr, who's a, a teacher, a theologian, um, He's actually a priest in the Catholic Church, but he's kind of shunned a little bit because the, the beautiful thing about Richard Rohr is he just has this amazing love for Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. Um, and so he speaks to a lot of people from a lot of different church backgrounds. But Richard Rohr, a number of years ago, had written this book called Adam's Return. And Adam's Return was really his way of saying, look, in a lot of his work that he had been doing with younger men, um, but I think it, it parallels both with not only the story of younger men, but all people, that we have to be willing to embrace five life lessons that are going to come our way. And if we're willing to embrace these life lessons, uh, we're going to find ourselves on this path of discovery of just incredible vision and purpose and ultimately what life in this kingdom of Jesus is like. And so I want us just to kind of focus for a second here on these five life lessons. The first one is this. Life is hard. You're like, yeah, tell me about it. Daylight savings time, you know, the to-do list before me. Life is hard. And we have to embrace that. Like, we just have to. Life is hard. We can't expect it to be any other way. You know, if we live with this expectation that somehow we can make it comfortable, um, we're going to set ourselves up for disappointment. And we live in a nation that tells us we have the right, what, to pursue happiness, right? We have the right to the pursuit of happiness. Now, I don't know about you, but this much I've learned about the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness usually makes me miserable. Life is hard. So I really don't want to pursue happiness. I want to pursue meaning. I want to pursue purpose. I want to pursue feeling the pain that life is hard and how do I allow this pain to be felt but not have its way in me because ultimately pain that isn't transformed by Jesus, it will just be transmitted and passed on in other unhealthy kinds of ways. So life is hard, the first lesson we have to embrace. Um, second one is this, you are not important. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, man, you, the, it's amazing Richard Rohr even sold books with these five points. Um, you are not important. It's hard to accept. Now, what is important is we. We are important. Do you notice the shift right there? So, so you are important in the context of we. And so life is hard, you are not important, but we are important and we all play a part. Third one, your life is not about you. Your life is not about you because it's about us. Again, these are life lessons that we have to be willing to embrace if we're going to live a purposeful, 
vision-filled life, especially entering into the kingdom that Jesus brought to us. Fourth thing, you are not in control. You are not in control. Oftentimes in Lent, I'm, I'm really like seeking, I'm seeking after God, saying, God, what, what vision do you want to give me? What new discovery do you want to give me? But oftentimes in my seeking after God, what I'm really seeking after is for God to join my plans. I'm seeking for, for God to work in my kinds of ways, but I, I'm not in control. And God is making all things new, God is making all things new, but he's not making all new things. Okay, so do you get the difference there? Because the understanding that difference is, is very important. Um, fifth, yeah, this one just tip of the iceberg, kind of the, the iceberg itself right here. You're going to die. You're going to die. Uh, and that's just kind of a, a beautiful freeing admission if we can accept that. You are going to die. Um, so these are not welcome messages to our, our personal kingdom-building projects, but these are welcome messages that if we're willing to embrace them, in a sense, we'll find ourselves giving up, giving up on our kingdom-building projects in order to truly gain a vision for the kind of kingdom that Jesus brought to us. Now, as we move through Lent, we're going to get this. We're just kind of given a big summary here. But as we, as we move through Lent in the coming weeks, we're going to look at specific aspects of Jesus' kingdom and try to gain a vision for that. But right now, I just want to, I just want to set the stage for us in this first week. So Jesus, starting his ministry, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Some of the first words out of Jesus' mouth as he begins his ministry. The time has come. And the word time here that he's using, it is the word kairos. And the word kairos is different than chronos, which is chronological time. So we are moving through chronological time. But kairos time is a moment in time within chronological time. So Jesus is saying there's a moment in time now that has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus continues um, in another part of one of the Gospels, Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So Jesus, when, when is this kingdom going to come? What's it going to look like? How is it going to be established? You know, and... and a lot of people who were paying attention, attention to Jesus here, what, what they were doing is they were looking for Jesus to enhance their kingdom-building project, right? They weren't looking to fully enter into his vision for what this kingdom would look like. So Jesus, what's it going to look like when this kingdom shows up? And Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is. Or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Or if, you're, if you are reading it in your Bible, you might see a little subscript there. And um, it could also be translated, or the kingdom of God is within you. So, so this kingdom is not so much a geographical location. It's a whole other realm, right? It's a realm that we're being invited to tend this kingdom, right? Because... 
the cultural landscape before you is all that other stuff, right? Especially as Western civilized Americans. It's part patriotism, affluence, consumerism, violence, vanity fair. And that stuff kind of creeps into our lives and we often find our identity in those types of things. And, and Jesus is saying, look, stop tending that. There's this other kingdom among you and within you. This is where life and purpose is found because all of those other kingdoms are going to crumble. And so this morning, what I want to do is, is, is give us a few things that I hope you can take with you as we go out into our week. How do we welcome God's kingdom of, of transformative grace in the crumbling ash of our kingdoms? Right? Because to live in the tension as we, as we move out of the one into the other, um, yeah, we notice that just kind of there's crumbling ash laying around, you know? There's, there's little deaths that happen along the way, ultimately leading to a final death. But if we're willing to embrace this, then we're willing to come to this point where we say, the sole purpose of my humanity, the reason for my life, is because God is inviting me into building his kingdom, tending his kingdom vision. I've got to step out of all of these other things that are a part of the cultural landscape. I've got to lay those down. And it's hard, trust me. I've got my ideas of what patriotism should and shouldn't look like. And ooh, man, I'd love to sometimes get in there and really like go at it with people. But here's the deal, guys. This is what I'm learning in my life. I only have so much energy to tend to things. And so I have to be very mindful of where I'm going to put my energy. If I'm going to put my energy into these kinds of arguments, then I'm not going to put it into tending this kingdom of Jesus. If I'm going to put energy into kind of building my personal kingdom of affluence so that I can enjoy some consumerism, I'm not going to put that energy into tending Jesus' kingdom. If I'm tending to a culture that's part violence, and you know what, this person did me wrong, and somehow they need to know it, and they need to know they're wrong, and if I'm putting all my energy in there, I'm not going to be putting my energy in tending Jesus' kingdom. So, so how can we allow kind of Jesus' transformative grace to just meet us in the midst of, of the tension that's present there? Here's a few things that I'd like to share with you. Um, number one, grow as a mystic. I, I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that followers of Jesus in these three things that we're going to lay before you right now, that we have to grow in these areas if we're truly going to tend the kingdom of Jesus in the midst of the current cultural landscape before us. Grow is a mystic. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 said these words, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if you're hearing these words for the first time, you might be like, yo, Paul, what have you been, what? you've been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, but you've got this Jesus living in you. I mean, like, you hear this stuff and you're like, what's going on here? But, but what Paul is saying at, at, at the deepest core of our humanity is this union, this mystical union that we have with Christ, that ultimately we have been crucified with Christ, and that we no longer live, but now Christ lives within us so that Christ living in us can tend this kingdom vision that Jesus gives us. 
We have to grow in these ways, guys. Secondly, um, welcome stillness, silence, and boredom as an avenue for grace to meet you. We live in a culture that's hypercharged, right? I mean, entertainment abounds. Even generally when we think about church, even in our Western civilized American culture, we have the tendency to think that church is a place that I go to to express my faith. And if this church helps me express my faith in a way that I want to express my faith, then that's, you know, that, that's my church. But that's not, that's not the purpose of church. Church isn't here just as a tool that maybe we'll pick and choose every now and then because I guess this Sunday morning I feel like expressing my faith and so I'll go to church because I feel like expressing my faith this morning. Like our church is here because ultimately, guys, just look around the room. Look around the room right now. Even if you don't feel like being here, your presence is, is birthing and sustaining and carrying on the faith of everyone sitting in this room with you. And so even if maybe you're a little bored with it, even though you're like, I don't know, I just feel like I should be doing something, like we have to welcome stillness, silence, and boredom as an avenue for grace to meet you. This is what I want to invite us into, maybe this this Lenten season. Um, Look for moments where, let's say, you just have some downtime in your day. Maybe you're um, waiting on somebody... uh, you know, that you're at the red light, you're, you're waiting for someone to meet you. And I don't know about you, but what's generally the first thing that you do when you're in a waiting period? I know the first thing I do. Right? Um, what would it look like if we stopped grabbing for whatever it is that we grab for and say, what would it look like for me just to capitalize on this moment right now and just... Welcome stillness, silence, and boredom, and believe that somehow grace is going to meet me here. And maybe what you can do is you can take a simple passage of Scripture, like this, Psalm 46, verse 1, and maybe the first half of of verse 10. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Could you imagine if that became um, a piece of good news that you welcomed often throughout your day for a six-week time period? I'm just going to sit here and just remind myself that God is an ever-present, ever-present refuge, strength, ever-present help in the midst of trouble. What trouble am I feeling right now? Where am I being stretched? How is it difficult for me to lay aside my kingdom-building project in order to, to receive what he has for me? Um, first half of verse 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. Here's, a, here's an exercise for you, and um, let me bring it up here on the screen. You'll see it. Um, you can look for moments where you can sit with this. Maybe just kind of find a place to sit, put both feet on the ground, be still and know that I am God. Breathe in, breathe out. Be still and know that I am. Breathe in, breathe out. Be still and know. Be still. Be And you're working through this progression as a way of, again, just opening yourself to Jesus. What kind of vision are you giving me for welcoming your kingdom? So welcome stillness, silence, and boredom as an avenue for grace to meet you. 
And the third thing is this, reclaim your status as a beloved child of God over and over again. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove uh, and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Let, let that, because of your union with Christ, right, growing as a mystic, because of your union with Christ, let that be something that is spoken over you often. This is my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. I loved it. I won't mention any names, but he's sitting in this room, and, and um, one of the few things that I use Facebook for is I always like to see whose birthday it is. Just I know it's kind of a cheap way of just saying happy birthday, but it's a nice way to say happy birthday, but I loved it because... I noticed something about a week ago, and there was a father of an adult son, and his adult son was having a birthday. And I happened to notice this, and I wanted to, like, write something on the post and be like, yeah, but, like, I just needed to sit with it and cherish it in my own heart. But this father to this adult son wished him a happy birthday on Facebook and said, happy birthday, my son, in you I am well pleased. And I think he knows who he is because he's sitting in this room and I'm like, yes. I mean, what a beautiful message for an adult father to give to his adult son on his birthday. I'm like, yes, that, that is it. That is it right there. Um, my freshman year of high school, I, I ran cross country. Gosh, I don't know why. Uh, it, was a, it was a clashing of two kingdoms. Um, because in middle school, if there was one thing I loved, it was pizza and milkshakes. Uh, and, you know, when you love pizza and milkshakes, it, you know, it just kind of, yeah, it has a way of kind of clinging to you. Um, so I was going to play basketball my freshman year in the winter time, but I'm like, man, I should really, like, there's a couple of friends of mine who were like, we should probably, like, tend to ourselves a little bit here if we're going to try to play high school basketball. So we started running cross country, and um, that was this eye-awakening experience, you know, I mean, stepping out there, and of course, you know, so you're running like 3.1 miles or whatever, you know, is the meet, but in order to prepare for the meet, you're running what, five, six, seven miles. I had never done that before in my life. I don't think I'd run more than two blocks, you know, to my friend's house or something like that, probably to get pizza and a milkshake. Uh, so, you know, there was this, this clashing of these two kingdoms, but man, I mean, it really required me. It required me to step in and just admit, like, wow, I am, I am really frail and weak, and like this kingdom of cross-country is calling me to something else. It's giving me a new vision for how I need to engage with the world around me. So Mosaic, that's, that's my hope for us, is that over the coming weeks, as we get a picture of this kingdom that Jesus laid out for us, and in particular, this kingdom is a kingdom of mustard seeds. So next week, we're going to talk about mustard seed movement. Mustard seed movement and what that, what that can look like. Um, Jesus' kingdom was a, a kingdom of justice. So when we talk about justice, what, what does that look like? How do we engage in that? Um, it was a kingdom of restoration. So how do we step into the restorative work that's happening around us? It was a kingdom of joy. Not necessarily the pursuit of happiness, but of joy. And so what does this kingdom of joy look like when it's when it's lived right here by a group of people like us. Uh, and ultimately, this is a kingdom with an eternal perspective, right? An eternal perspective. 
Um, God's kingdom is the one kingdom that will outlast them all. And so what does that look like for us to engage with this kingdom in that kind of way? And how do we, how do we live this together? So I just want to invite us to settle in, Mosaic. And in the meantime, right now, I just want to encourage you that, you know, what, what is the kingdom building plan that maybe you have going on in your mind? And will you just acknowledge the fact that it, it will crumble one day? You only have so much energy to give in a given day. So where are you going to pour your energy? Are you going to pour your energies into a kingdom building project that will crumble one day? Or are you going to pour your energies into building this kingdom that Jesus brought to us? What's that going to look like? And living in that tension, it's difficult. It's difficult, but living in that tension, will you allow the grace of God to meet you? Growing as a mystic, embracing stillness and silence and boredom, but also just reclaiming your status as a son and daughter of God and that he is well-pleased in you and that he is holding you together and holding all of this together. And Lent is a, is a great season to just remind yourself that, you know what, when, when everything is falling apart around you or when you begin to kind of just stop pouring energy into those other things that you know you don't need to be pouring energy into, when, when all of that is falling apart, um, just remember what's most true about you. And what's most true about you is you are that child of God. You are that one called to tend to his kingdom vision. So I want to invite the band to come back up. And as they uh, make their way up here, um, we want to invite you to these tables that we come to. And allow this walk up the center aisle just to be an opportunity to say, yeah, God, your, your kingdom is among us and it's, it's within us. Open our eyes to it. Open our eyes to it. You know, show me what I need to turn away from, where I'm pouring just kind of energy that I don't need to be pouring into so that I can turn this direction. And let's, let's grow as that kind of community uh, as we move forward in coming weeks. Does that sound like good movement that we can tend together? I think so, right? Let's do it. And let's see what happens together as we as we get this vision of this kingdom that Jesus brings, and as we really ask the questions, what does it mean to pour our energies there? Because we only have so much energy to spend in a given day, so let's spend it wisely, right? Let's spend it wisely. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we're reminded of the way that you took bread and broke it after you had given thanks and you said, this is my body given for you. Jesus, that somehow our unfaithfulness, our sin, all of the ways we've got it wrong was placed on you and your body was broken open. And then you took the cup and you said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. And and Jesus, you poured out, just like that cup pours out, you poured out grace and forgiveness and love and mercy even after you took our sin, our mess, our violence upon yourself. So Jesus, give us a, a vision even as we come forward this morning of what life in your kingdom looks like. Give us a a mindfulness of tending our energies to that kingdom. 
And we look forward to what you're going to do in the coming days and weeks. And for any here who are just, um, maybe they're in the midst of just really feeling like, um, yeah, there's just some real ash around them. Things are falling apart. God, would you remind them that uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven, it belongs to these. So God, we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.